Optophobia, the fear of opening one's eyes. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you, our listeners, to move beyond that fear, to solve riddles they don't want us to unriddle, to investigate supposedly ironclad truths, to unearth evidence buried for so long they believed it would stay buried. Season 2, Deep State. The Deep State is real. And it's just that, a 51st state, hidden from the American people and unacknowledged by the federal government, even as it pulls the government's most important levers. How do you hide an entire state? You bury it. Deep. In Civics 101, we're taught the particulars of the visible constitutional state. The one you can visit in Washington. The one you vote for. Deep state is just a new term for a phenomenon that's influenced American democracy for 150 years. To many, it describes another more shadowy, more indefinable government. That description is accurate, but it's not the whole story. In July 1861, weeks after the first major fight of the Civil War, the first battle of Bull Run, members of President Lincoln's inner circle nervous about his chances at reuniting the nation, decided the country needed a backup plan in case the capital fell. They sent a small group of civil engineers called the Shovelmen to scout locations in the West. Today, some say the hole dug by the Shovelmen, believed to be underneath the Colorado-Wyoming border, houses a powerful bureaucracy rumored to be 600,000 strong. So why is a shadow government, designed to silently run the real version of American democracy, suddenly a regular topic of conversation within the constitutional state? Is there dissent in today's deep state? What's the ultimate goal of deep state leadership? This season on Optophobia, we'll track down the distortions, the assumptions, the omissions. Are you bored by the lies? Open your eyes. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Murray Slaughter. If you've ever worked in a large organization, it's likely you've been part of some kind of team building or morale boosting exercise. Today's guest is going to talk to us about her experience as an entrepreneur who facilitates such programs and who has brought her expertise to deep state leadership. Before we talk to Vicki, I wanted to just talk for a minute about an amazing email that we got from a listener. Our email address, by the way, is optophobiapodcast at gmail.com. Todd Snosh writes that a few weeks ago, he was researching the 19th century dig of a famous Diplodocus dinosaur fossil in Medicine Bow, Wyoming, and he came across a document on White House stationery that may be the original official assignment for the shovelmen to go west. So we'll try to get Todd on the show, but he wrote that the note included a reference to, quote, land primed to contain the leadership should things go to shit in the war. So that's very intriguing. I will follow up with Todd to get some more information. But first, I am here with my regular co-host, musical consultant and underground city planner, Muriel Woland. Hi, Murray. Oh, I'm so sorry that I'm late today. 
I was so sorry. Well, you're not too late. Well, I'm on time now. Podcast time. Well, the the grandbabies were showing me how to play TikTok. The uh, the online. Uh, no, it's actually more of a game where where the grandbabies, so Behemoth and Mephistopheles, and Paxton will go to a Burger King, and they'll tell the people at the Burger King the day that they're going to die. Oh, that's TikTok. It's called TikTok because. How does Paxton fit in with Behemoth and Mephistopheles? Are they all are they all brothers? So. They're all my grandbabies. Right. And that's what matters to me as their grandmama. But Behemoth and Mephistopheles and Paxton, they're all, I'll procured them at the same time, if you will, and they became my grandbabies. And Behemoth and Mephistopheles, like those are family names. Those were, I had to use those because otherwise my kin would be upset if I did not use those names. But Paxton, I was like, that's a cute name. So I named him Paxton. So Paxton did not come with a preordained name that kind of went through the ages. Yeah, it's not a family name. It's just a fun, a fun, cute name. And they're not all related to each other? Yeah, they're all related. They're all my grandbabies. As grandchildren of yours. They're they're my grandbabies, yeah. Okay. And so you had to stop the TikTok game today? Well, we had to cut it short just because I had to get over here to do the podcast. Oh, right. (laughs) Don't worry about it. You weren't that late. It's fine. I'm sorry. No, I'm I'm a professional, a consummate professional. I'm a businesswoman, and we have another businesswoman here today. That's right. And I'm yeah. so excited to get into it. So before we talk to uh, Vicky, I just want to tell everybody that if you want a little bit more background on the deep state and on this season, you can listen to our first episode, which goes into that in some detail, or go to our website, optophobia.org, for a little bit more context. Sadly, our scheduled guest for this week, Plum Springs, Kentucky optician Chrissy Kobayashi, who says she can trace her ancestry back to one of the original shovelmen, was unable to make it. But I guess there's a black market for transplant eyeballs in Kentucky, especially at the horse tracks. So last week, Chrissy was arrested in a sting operation at the Red Mile Harness Racing Track in Lexington. Uh, She was carrying a Coleman cooler filled with a dozen eyeballs. So we'll have to wait a little longer to get Chrissy's story until she's out of jail. But we were very fortunate to be able to book the guests that we have. The last minute, we were able to secure Vicki Ganders, an employment engagement consultant, Welcome to Optophobia, Vicki. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. I see these smiles, and I love them. Well, thanks for coming on. Of course. I had a little, just a little empty spot in my calendar, and I was so excited to get your email because I was supposed to do a wine tasters conference just just about four hours outside of Napa, uh, but they canceled last minute. It was crazy. There was something. They all had something gastrointestinal. I don't want to get into it. But I am here today, and I am so happy to be here. Their cancellation is our huge benefit. So I love to say that. Yes. Well, thank you for uh, coming on. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, thank you. I I know it's tacky, but I love to talk about myself. So thank you for asking. I am from Columbus, uh, Columbus, Ohio, um, not any of the other Columbuses. Um, It's like I always like to say about Columbus, uh, number one in Ohio, number one in my heart. I'm trying to get them to use that as the city slogan, but 
my letters to city government have gone unanswered. Anyway, my passion, my number one driving force has always been human connection. It's always been making people really see each other and understand each other and recognize, hey, we're not so different. And that time that I sent you that nasty email because you didn't refill the printer toner, that was unacceptable. That was my bad. So I've been honing my skills in sort of getting people to interact, to see their similarities under their differences ever since. Well, I guess it was in middle school. I actually won an award for the longest running person to be on JV cheerleading. Uh, most people move up in eighth grade. They move up to varsity. And I stayed on JV and I was I was a little bummed because, you know, you want to think that you're you're good enough for varsity. But when I asked, they said it was because I just made the team feel that much more cohesive. And just little 12-year-old Vicky said to herself, I can monetize this. Did you monetize it right away? Yeah. I mean, I personally think that everything is either in a state of monetization or pre-monetization. So in high school, I wasn't quite monetizing it because I wasn't making, I guess, per se, money off of it. But I was practicing my craft, absolutely. I was getting my friends together. I was making them do trust falls. I would walk into Chess Club. Uh, I knew they had their Wednesday afternoon meetings, and I would never announce myself beforehand because I think that your deepest moments of human connection come when you're not anticipating it. Now, I'd walk into Chess Club and I would say, let's all sit down and say our favorite things about each other. And um, the first time I did that, they weren't very open to it because none of them knew me. But... You know, the third or fourth time, they let me stay, and they let me do my work. And that's just a craft I've been honing ever since. When you mentioned trust falls, I wondered if, as an expert in morale boosting and corporate uh, retreats and that kind of thing, if you know the roots of trust fall, I'm wondering if they had their roots in cheerleading. That's a good question. You know, I always thought it came from the Greeks because... Generally, I just assume that if I don't know the origin of something, it came from the Greeks. But I could really see that. You know, I could see back in the times of the Wild West uh, when settler cheerleaders were trying to get the hunters excited to go out and hunt some buffalo. And they're all just doing cheers and tossing each other around in their, their little bonnets and hoop skirts. I could see someone say, hey, Elizabeth. I'm noticing that I don't trust you right now, and I think the only thing that could make me trust you is if you took my full body weight. That's nice to think about. It's nice to think about, and I can actually confirm that the Greeks did do trust falls, but it was a male-only activity, and it was also a lot um, more, how we say, saucy. Mm. than the trust falls that we do currently. Mm. I'm glad you brought that up. I just want to say all of my activities that I do, I do the G-rated versions because I am doing them in corporate environments. You want everything to stay above the belt. You want it to stay appropriate, but I don't blame the Greeks. So you're not pushing a young man off into a into a hole filled with the severed penises of your enemies? 
because that's what the original Greek trust fall was. You would take the young initiate of the Spartan clan and you would you would say, do you trust your fellow Spartans? And you'd push him off into a hole filled with severed penises. Or pina, to quote the Greek. I'm thinking about it. I'm running through all of the exercises I've done. I don't think I've ever done anything quite like that. I did do a sexual health conference, though. I was helping the conference team get comfortable with each other. And we did do a fun game where we all fell into a foam pit full of those, like, foam squishy penises. They're like stress balls. So it's like a 21st century version of what the Greeks did. That's that's a fun flirty take on it. It was. So Vicky, when did you know that that thing that happened to you in middle school was going to eventually lead to your company that you have now? Well, I've always considered that any time after you turn 18 and you're not really being a boss bitch, is a waste of your time. And I know that that doesn't go for everyone, but it's my philosophy. I think it applies to most people. Um, We all have our inner boss bitch and we all need to reclaim that. And, you know, my parents offered me the chance of either going to college. I could have gone to Miami University of Ohio or taking a small loan of $500 and using that to create something. And I honestly, there was no moment of hesitation. I just snatched that money right out of their hands. They were holding $500 cash or just a a note that said college. And I had to grab one. And I grabbed the cash. And I (laughs) have no regrets. In fact, I've never had a regret. That's a thing about me. Now, this is going to sound crazy, Vicky, but do you remember being in your little chess, your little chess club headquarters in high school and the Bobby Fisher poster that you had? And his eyes were glowing red and he was saying in, you know, Latin or some sort of dead language, go forth and make money. I'm thinking I'm looking back on that time. Yes. Oh, my God. I I had never thought about that before. Yes, I distinctly remember that poster saying that. You know, it's I'm just I'm just that was just a wild guess. That's remarkable. That was just a wild guess. You know, wow. It was very specific. I just feel like people who are successful or have made a lot of money at some point in their lives or or had some big revelation, you know, it's usually just tied to an experience like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happens mm-hmm. all the time in Sheol. In what? Sheol. That's where I'm from, Sheol, South Carolina. Oh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah, I think I've always been a very poster and propaganda motivated person. Like, if I see something written on the wall, I usually i am like, that sounds like the thing to do. Let's take a quick break, and we will be right back with Vicki Ganders, and we'll ask her a little bit about how she got involved with the Deep State. We'll be right back. Hey, optophobes. Have you ever been to a baby shower? What the fuck? What is that? Here at Blend Venom Solutions, we were asking ourselves those questions and realized that many millions of people had to be as perplexed as we are about eating chocolate out of diapers 
and pin the sperm on the uterus. Confusion often leads to fear, the fear of attending yet another shower. Well, fear not, ladies. Just grab some Velacodin Wattlethorn 26YT and you'll be fine. Velacodin Wattlethorn 26YT is a liniment made from the venom of the beaked sea snake found off the coast of Oman and the crushed thorns of the acacia tree. While the beaked sea snake's venom is filled with neurotoxins that slow and damage the nervous system, it differs from other snake venom in that there's a short period of euphoria in the poisoning, introduced via a myotoxin unique to this animal just prior to death. After some testing on the residents of the polyps at Jonathan Winters Elder Care Community in Shalimar County, Florida, we were able to isolate just that myotoxin, we think, from the rest of the venom. Just rub a small dab of Velacodin Wattlethorn 26YT on your temples for four hours before attending a shower, and soon you'll feel a high that is natural, legal, and that makes you both placidly aloof and contemptuous without being judgy about why other women seem to be actually having fun wrapping their friend's abdomen with a measuring tape. Blend Venom Solutions. We take away your fears using snakes. We are back with Vicki Ganders. Vicki, you were talking a little bit about how you started your company. Mm-hmm. Vicki Corporate, corporate with a K, Vicki with two. So I understand that somebody from the deep state reached out to you for your services. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened? Absolutely. And the first thing I want to say is I'm not a blabbermouth. You know, I'm not sharing secrets of my clients. It's just that there is a clause in my contracts that says that I can talk about anything I do with my clients to the media. So I just want to clarify that right off the bat. Maybe they didn't read the contract. Maybe they didn't. They thought they were okay with it. Just making sure we're all clear. Vicki Ganders is someone you can trust for your secretive events as long as you don't mind those events being talked about later by me. Anyway, sorry, what was the question? I guess I was just wondering about how the deep state first contacted you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I use targeted Instagram ads. That's usually how I try to find my client base. And recently, a few months ago, I received an Instagram message um, from an account that it was strange. When I tried to go to the actual account itself, it wouldn't load. It would just be that spinning, you know, the spinning refresh wheel over and over. So I thought, interesting. Um, and they contacted me. They asked when my availability was. Uh, they asked what my rates were. And then they said, we've got a lot to work on. That was the last thing that they said in, par- in their proposal. And I thought, well, <laughs> Vicky loves a challenge. She does. She loves them. So I got back to them. I told them my rates, which are reasonable. And we figured it out. We figured out the scheduling. They they said they would fly me in, but there was a plane ride at some point. But then there was just a lot of time spent in an elevator, like like an hour-long elevator ride. And then next thing I knew, I was in this lovely lobby and being ushered into one of their conference rooms. Now, it it sounds like the whole process of you arriving at the conference room, you were not privy to a lot of the details of your travel there. Were you in some sort of propofol-induced dream state? The thing about me 
uh, there's a lot of things about me, but one of the most important things is I just get so excited to help people that sometimes I lose my grip on what's happening around me. Like if you were to say, Vicky, tomorrow uh, my nephew's soccer team really wants to get together and sort of bond as brothers, not just as teammates, I would get so excited that my heart would enter into a state that is medically unsound. So I, I was certainly noticing where I was, but I was also in a different mental state that could be considered incapacitated or altered if you were a doctor diagnosing me. Mm -hmm. When was the first moment that you realized that this was not a normal client? Well, first of all, none of my clients are normal. They're all special. But I will say when a little... I don't want to say drone because I think that that word has a negative connotation. But it was certainly a remote-controlled robot, and it did seem threatening when that checked me in at the front desk. I was like, oh, I guess this isn't just a tech company. And then I just kept my, I kept my peepers peeled. I was paying attention. There was simply no way we weren't underground because I have excellent phone service, and I was getting nothing. And they also kept asking me questions about what things are like up there, which I thought was bizarre. Did you know anything or had you heard rumors about the deep state before this job? No, the thing is, I don't like to follow politics. I think it's tacky. My customers come from all walks of life and I never want to assume anything about them. And the same goes for the government in general. I don't think it's... I don't want to say I think it's unsexy, but it's simply unsexy. It's not something that I want to hear more about. So I'm sure people have mentioned the deep state to me, and I'm sure I simply dismissed it without a thought. You know, I'm the same way, Vicky. I'm politically agnostic. Wow. I mean, when they approached me and they said, Muriel, we want you to direct the write-in campaign for the 2016 election to get people to write in. Jill Stein, mm -hmm. Doggy Chitnose, you know, all the fun little riffs on it. I was like, you know what? Count me in. Because this is – I'm a businesswoman, okay? Mm -hmm. Sorry, that was a little tangent about me, Vicky. But I just wanted to say that I'm completely on your side. No, I appreciate it. I love hearing from a fellow – may I call you a boss bitch? You can call me any kind of bitch you want. I love hearing from a fellow boss bitch who is just simply neutral on the topic of government. I am the Switzerland of politics. I I don't care. I do love doggy shit nose though. Doggy I'm, shit. Fingers crossed for 2020. Doggy shit nose. That, that classic write in. Yes. I actually came up with that one myself because I was like, wouldn't it be funny if, if instead of a president, we had a little, a little doggy, like, like a little, like, multi poo or a little, just, you know, some sort of, like, little fancy dog who's all white, but he's got, like, a little poo poo on his nose because he just can't help himself. He's so excited. It looks like he just ate a big old chocolate cake. And that's, I think that's fun. And you know what? You know what, Muriel? What? I think that's sexy. I think the U.S. government needs more of that energy. I agree. There's not enough chaos. I mean, in Sheol, it's all chaos all the time. And it's exciting. You know, it's sexy. Everyone's erect all the time. Wow. Mentally. 
Anyway, Vicky, I want to hear more about these corporate team building games you did with the deep state. Yeah. So um, once I realized that this was a specialer, special client, um, I thought I would bring out some of my more advanced trainings. Uh, my favorite is I, I call it my maze in a box. Um, and when I say that, people usually stare at me. They don't understand what I'm saying. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. It's a maze in a box. And they're like, it's, it's, you're holding an, an eight, inch by 10 inch box. And I'm like, no, listen. And I open up the box and it's this incredible series of cardboard. They're like little walls and I can unfold it and unfold it and unfold it. It's like anti-origami. And by the end of it, I've crafted this little maze that they can only get through with each other's help. It always comes back to helping each other help each other. They can't succeed as a team If they don't help each other, if they don't know how to properly communicate and be clear with each other, then they're not getting out of that maze. I've had groups be in there for, it must have been 37 hours because they weren't communicating. You know, I wondered about when going into a job like this, I'm just curious whether you really did have to sort of think about the specific issues that the deep state leadership or the people who work in the deep state have that might be unique from most of your clients? Were you able to ask them questions about the problems and tribulations that are specific to the deep state? At the beginning of each session, I I do, I call it a fun, I call it my circle wrap. And we all sit in a circle and we all wrap about our problems. So we all talk about, you know, what, why we're there today, what's got us feeling a little bit down, what's got us feeling a little bit excited about the coming week. And I have to say a lot of their issues were unconventional from what I usually hear from clients. They kept saying the word wiretapping. And I had heard people say they were stressed about being the recipient of it, definitely, but never being stressed about adequately administering it. There were the usual complaints about uh, condescending notes in the kitchen about not washing dishes. But then there were also things about orchestrating stock market crashes, you know, issues that I personally wouldn't consider to be quote unquote relatable. But also, who am I to say, you know, these are red-blooded Americans trying to do their jobs. And so when they say to me, oh, Vicky, uh, you know, I'm really stressed. My boss is writing my ass because I, I keep bribing the wrong politicians. I'm like, Doug, hey, that negative attitude, I don't want to hear that. I think you're capable of more. So, Vicky, are you saying that Doug had his ass torn asunder from his body and it was being ridden as if it were a horse because in sheol that's that's a common it's a really common hr technique that they use if you're not performing they'll cut off your ass and they'll ride it like it's a little like a little horse you know muriel i gotta say sometimes i wish i could cut off a little bit of my ass (laughs) hey is that, is that something you want? Because we can talk after this. Yeah. Okay. Let's get let's coffee. Co- let's get coffee. Let's get coffee. So were these just sort of the regular people who were working? Were these the leadership 
of the deep say to you now? When I meet people, I sort of, I read their energy. I, I see how they view themselves and how others view them. They all gave a distinctly, you know, intern to middle management energy. No one seemed like they... This is going to sound impolite. No one seemed like they respected themselves. They all seemed like they just answered other people all day. I have to say, it really felt like I had gotten... I think the people that the deep state wasn't pleased with their their work so far, it seemed like they were... You know, I don't like to use punitive terms. I don't like to judge people on a scale of good to bad. But it did seem like their work was not ideal and like they were in danger of punishment, perhaps some slight ass removal, um, some ass riding. I'm not sure. But yeah, I, I didn't think that I was getting the cream of the crop. Yeah, I mean, it seems like for an organization, I don't know what we even call the deep state, for a, an institution that is so secretive, it's a big risk asking you to come into the deep state to do this kind of work. So I'm wondering if they, I don't know, said anything to you before you left about let's keep this quiet, or if, if you had a similar trip back to the traditional 50 that you did on your way down where it was sort of fuzzy and maybe they tried to sort of cloud some of your memory. I distinctly remember they kept patting me on the back the way that in movies people do when they want to bug somebody. They would do it very out of nowhere. Like someone would be like, oh, Vicky, uh, you said you wanted some water. Here's you water. Pat, 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 pat. It was bizarre. And I remember thinking, oh, you know, I've seen Mission Impossible. I know what this is. And so I, when I came back out of the deep state, I actually did. I did throw out that jacket afterwards. I hated to do it, but in my head, I was just like, Vicky, your instincts are telling you that if this happened to Tom Cruise, it would be bad news. And you're the Tom Cruise of your own story. So I threw out that jacket. How did they pay you? Did they pay you in... Bitcoin. In Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Of course. So many companies do it. Yeah. It's amazing. So we have to wrap it up, unfortunately. But but one last question. Do you think you could get back there? I actually do hope to get back there because one of the things that sets my service apart from other similar corporate retreat companies is I send out a survey afterward just making sure that the treatment I gave them, the growth that they experienced was what they were anticipating. Ideally, I'd like to get 10s out of 10s across the board. It was mostly positive, but they did give me one 8 out of 10 in the category of propriety. And so I really, I have questions about that. I like to say that I always get 10s out of 10s. So I'm hoping to go back there to dispute it in a friendly way, in a polite way. I'm planning on trying to refine that elevator. Uh, I'm confident that I could find it again if you dropped me off back in the middle of the woods like we were. So that's my goal. Okay, well, we're going to have to leave it there for now, but I want to thank our guest, Vicki Ganders. It's really exciting to meet somebody who has been inside the deep state. Thank you, and please take my cards. Uh, I also want to thank my co-host this week, Muriel Walland. Muriel, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Vicki, did you know that Tom Cruise actually used to be shorter than he is? What? We'll talk about that later. Oh, I'm excited. Next week, 
we are going to talk to Raphael Bonescratch, uh, an avian veterinarian from Nightmute, Alaska, who has written extensively about the worship of birds in the deep state. Thank you for listening to Optophobia. I'm Murray Slaughter, and I'll leave you with this. Friendship is a land where no one seeks anything but the highest ground. Enmity is a land that no one seeks and is difficult to say correctly. If you've got theories about what the deep state really wants, we'd like to hear them. You can find us on our website at optophobia.org or on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at at optophobes. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Thank you to Claire Mulligan, who played Vicky Ganders. Claire performs with Hellcat at Washington Improv Theater. Follow her on Twitter at at Kulayer. That's at K-U-H-L-A-Y-E-R. Liz Sanders played Muriel Woland. Liz performs with Madeline, a Washington Improv Theater house ensemble. Optophobia was produced by Tim Townsend. Music by Bart Warshaw. Cover art by Claire Smalley. Website by Chance Griffin. Thanks for listening. Until next week, keep them open.